We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Hey, all you visionary leaders. Here's a little bit of a different opening for you. That's right. It's me. Not an interview, but that doesn't mean we're not going to be listening to an interview. See, I wanted to do something different with this episode, and with the help of Will Parker, I was able to. You see, I was a guest on Will Parker's podcast called Principal Matters, and he was nice enough to say, hey, Chris, what do you think? I'll release my show, and then you can do a simulcast of it and release the show. So what follows is the entirety of my interview on Will Parker's podcast, Principal Matters. And if you haven't already, make sure you go to wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to his show. It's awesome. Now, without waiting any further, here are some of my thoughts on being teacher-centered, how to help with being overwhelmed, and my new book that's coming out soon. As always, thanks for listening. I truly appreciate you. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thought thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about empower, support, engage with my guest, Chris Jones. Dr. Christopher Jones has been an educator in Massachusetts for 22 years. He has finished his 14th year as a building administrator and true to his why of improving the educational experience for as many people as possible. He is currently the principal of Whitman Hanson Regional High School in Whitman, Massachusetts. Chris is passionate about continuous improvement and the idea that success is not a destination, but a process. He is a teacher-centered principal, as he calls himself, and his beliefs around the importance of positive work environments, continuous growth, and a healthy family work life can be seen in his presentations and workshops. He is also the host of the podcast, C2 Lead. He's a blogger. He's active on Twitter. He vlogs on a weekly basis. And his overreaching goal is to positively model continuous improvement in all facets of life. Chris Jones, welcome to Principal Matters. 
please fill in the gaps on that introduction. And why don't you tell listeners something else they may be surprised to know about you? Yeah, I, you know, first, I want to say thank you very much for having me on. I'm incredibly excited and, uh, and honored to be part of this great show. I'm, I'm an avid listener. And I really like what you what you stand for. So, um, you know, filling in the gaps um, on what you said, you you hit just about all of it. It's um, I'm always talking about the idea of continuous improvement and not because we're not good where we are, but if we're as good as we are where we are, just think about how much better we could be with, you know, one percent improvement. I, I talk about that a lot. I talk about how it's a continuous process. You don't just arrive at being successful um, overnight. It's it's something that all the little steps make make that up. I'm I'm teacher centered. I'm sure we're going to talk about that in a little while. Uh, a lot of times, when, before I explain any of that, people look at me and they say, "What are you talking about? You can't be a principal and be teacher centered. You got to be student centered." Um, but you know, like I said, we can talk about that. Something, something about me people might not know about me or be surprised about. Um, I'll use something that just came up. I was interviewing somebody for my podcast, and they were surprised to hear that um, education is a second career for me. I used to be a coppersmith, and um, that's something that not everybody knows. And that's, I think it's, um, I, it's, it's my second career, I think, and it took me a while to get into education because I struggled with my experience. Um, in high school. And because of that, that has to do with my whole just cause that you mentioned at the top of the show, the idea of improving the educational experience for everyone involved. And I always add onto that by being purposeful, acting with integrity and building character. So that all, I'm sure we're going to hit on all that stuff, but you know, that, that was the, the genesis of the idea for my book and some discoveries that I had to come to um, through reflection about my own experience that wow. uh, that led me to that. Well, I did not know you were a coppersmith before education, but that's so cool to know, Chris. And I also know you're the dad of two boys. And so I get to see on when you put updates on Twitter, it's always makes me happy to see it when you can transition from, from principal to dad. And, and you're just doing such great work in Massachusetts. You're also the author of a new book, How Do You See S-E-E? your staff. And you talk a little bit about those struggles that you had as a student and how that has influenced you as a teacher-centered principal. So let's talk about it. What, why do you call yourself a teacher-centered leader? Um, well, because I, I focus on the teachers. When I left, um, when I left the classroom, you know, a lot of times when you're, when you're leaving the classroom, there's that discussion that we have with ourselves, right? About, um, well, gee, you know, I want to impact students and that's how I impact students. But now you, you get caught on that fine line between when you move away, oh, well, I'll get to impact more students because I have some a seat at the table for decision making and, and policies and things like that. But it seems like the more you move away, the more you move away from the students. And so I look at teachers as my big domino, my my first domino. If I get teachers excited about coming to work and and really living in their passion, the whole idea of supporting them, engaging them, and, and empowering them, then those teachers like coming to work. And so then that puts itself into their classroom, into their work. Kids can see they're passionate about it. There's no way that a student that's sitting in front of a teacher that's excited about what they're doing, that's empowered about taking risks, um, there's no way that student doesn't benefit. So instead of being able to hit that hundred plus students that I was able to before as a class, 
Now, by empowering those teachers, I can hit the 1,100 students in the school. Um, I don't hit each one of them individually, but I know that I'm improving their experience by improving the teacher's experience. Well, let's stay there for just a moment, Chris, because here's what I like about the boldness of that statement is that so often in education circles, we've grown up with the motto that we are student-centered. And you're not saying that you're not student-centered, but you're you're acknowledging what I think a lot of strong instructional leaders recognize, which is you cannot be student-centered in your schools at the exclusion of the people who have the most direct contact with them. And so here, this is the, and this is the cool thing about leadership is that you recognize at some point that my ability to support and resource and empower teachers is directly influencing their ability to reach students. And so they all go hand in hand. And so I've had those conversations in the past where I've gotten some pushback because I tend to think so much about the perspectives of my teachers and I'm always confused. Like, well, why would those not be like companions to one another? Shouldn't I be supporting and 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 considering the perspectives of my teachers? Because this this can't be an us versus them. If this becomes an us versus them, then we're not reaching kids. Right, right. And you know, I, I mean, I think about it like, and you talk about the us versus them, and it's. I'm so glad you said that because it's tied back to this realization I came to when I was working on my book is the idea. And I put this in there. um, I had a chip on my shoulder uh, coming out of high school because I I didn't have a very good experience. I was bored and I I kept sitting there thinking, man, there's, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Um, And I, and being completely honest, I blame teachers. I blame the teachers that were in front of me um, that were responsible for that piece every day. But being the the 15, 16, 17-year-old that, you know, knows everything about the world, um, it wasn't until later that I realized that those teachers were doing the best they could do under the given circumstances. Because nobody gets up, especially especially in the field of education, nobody gets up and says, you know what, I'm going to go to work today, and I'm going to be awful. I just, I'm, I'm just going to mail it in. Nobody does that. People are doing the best they can do. So what I came to realize is it's not that the teachers were doing poorly. It's that they were doing the best they could within the kind confines that they had. So as a leader, the way I unlocked that for students much like myself that, you know, I, I didn't get in trouble and all that stuff. I, I was just disengaged um, is to make sure that those teachers have a context that they're within that lets them create that excitement, lets them light students on fire towards education and get them going. Well, let's, let's use an example because you use one in your book that I thought was really powerful where you're telling the story of a conversation with a veteran teacher who is resisting and resisting any feedback that you're giving and any ideas that you're trying to give. And what you're recognizing as the leader is that what sh- this teacher is resisting is the past experiences of administration who have stifled and pushed uh, or berated and, and so take us to the end of that story. How are you able to transform conversations with that teacher to empower that teacher once they realized you were in this for them? You know, what, what worked for me with that? And that was, that was a, um, a consistent back and forth we had. And, and the way it eventually ended is that um, I had to, I had to take responsibility at my first, at first 
and be the one to say, or to put myself in the position of, okay, I, I get that you're like this and I'm not right. It's not about right or wrong. Um, I'm just looking at ways to possibly change what you're doing. So it's building trust over time with that teacher. It's the idea of, okay, it's, you see, unfortunately, too often when we're talking, and this is that us and them pull that you're talking about, we get into the idea that somebody's right and somebody's wrong. And of course, then ego plays a role. And, and as a leader, we're like, well, no, I'm the principal, so I've got to be right. Well, if, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, in my opinion. Um, so it's just when you have that constant pushback, you have to prove to the teacher through consistent action that you're there to help them. So when you give suggestions, um, when you talk about going a different way, you have to prove to them, you have to walk the talk. You have to prove to them every day that what you're talking about isn't a got you. It, it isn't about you saying that you're falling short. It's about, look, I'm really here to help support you in getting better because everybody wants to be better at their core. It's just the idea of getting okay with feeling uncomfortable and getting there. Oh, I love that, Chris. And let's stay there for a little bit because you talk about in your book, the cycle of teacher-centric leading. What is that cycle and how could other school leaders um, maybe understand that better? Sure. It, the whole idea is it's a cycle and it, it starts at support, right? And, and oftentimes when people hear me say that I'm a teacher-centered leader, they think that I always stick up for the teacher and the teacher's always right and, and all this. That's not what it's about. It's about that improvement piece. So it starts with supporting the teacher. It starts with noticing where the teacher is strong, where they need to improve, and helping them create a map by showing them those gaps that they have. They have to cross this gap, if you will, for lack of a better, or, or to give you a good image, um, they have to cross this gap and they have to build a bridge. So you're helping them build that bridge, but eventually to get from point A to point B, if they're really going to own getting better, they need to choose the map of how they get there. And then as a leader, you need to fill in the areas that they need to be lifted up along that journey. Once you support teachers like that, and they see that you're supporting them, much like that disgruntled teacher, right? Um, once they see that you're supporting them, they start to get engaged. They start to see those little threads of, hey, yeah, this is, man, I, I did this. It wasn't a got you. I'm really being supported. So now I'm engaged to try a little bit more. Now, I, now I'm really kind of getting excited about it. And one of the broad-based ways I talk about engaging teachers is the idea that we, we have a vision for our school. Well, people are individuals. So if you want to engage them in the broad vision of the school, you have to show them how their personal feelings, their personal why they got into education fits within that vision, how they're connected. And then they become engaged in the whole process of working towards that, because if they can realize it under the broader vision, even better. Once they get engaged, you have to let them step out on their own. And that's that whole following that map piece. You have to empower them to make decisions on their own. And a, a way to illustrate this is if, if a teacher comes to you with little questions about every single little thing, can I do this? Is it all right if I do this? You have not empowered them. They should feel comfortable enough to make those decisions, instructional decisions, things like that on their own. Once you empower them, you start the circle over. The whole idea is to get that support, engage, empower circle 
spinning like a flywheel as fast as you can. Now, the way to do that is once you empower somebody, if you've empowered somebody properly, they're going to fail. That's the scary part. So if you've pushed them just far enough, man, it is so tempting as leaders to have somebody do something, have it not go perfect and say, oh, well, I would have done it this way because maybe they didn't do it the way you want to do it. But you have to step back, let that happen, compliment them on what went right, and then reflect on what they could do next time. Because if you don't hit that next support piece, that reflect on what they could do next time, or letting them know what a good job they did with the power that you gave them, then, man, they're never going to start stepping out again. And you just wow. stop that whole cycle. So let me, let me, let me paint this picture for Principal Matters listeners, because I can see the title of your new book. How do you see S period, E period, E period, your staff? And you just walked through that, that support is the S, that M, engage is yep. an E. And that empower is an E. And so you, Principal Matters listeners, you just got from the author himself a, a, an amazing summary of that cycle, support, engage, empower. And it doesn't stop. And if you, if you guys are seeing the visual of what I'm looking at with Chris, um, he's got <laughs> behind him this huge sign that says support, engage, empower. And it's a circle. And it just keeps going round and round and round. Because that's why, why is that an ongoing cycle, Chris, that, you, that, that never stops? Because we all, in reality, there is never a point in our lives where we don't need some support. I mean, you know, there are so many sayings for it, like find your tribe or mentors or coaches. Um, no matter how good we are at whatever we're doing, we can always use some support because we hit a roadblock. No matter what we're doing, sometimes it gets a little dull. We need to get engaged somehow. We need to rekindle that fire. And we always need to be empowered if we're going to continue to grow in whatever it is we're involved in. So, all along that whole wheel, it needs to keep happening. Because if one of those breaks down, you're not going to get the other. I mean, think about it. If you're empowered and you fail and you don't get support, well, you're less likely to ever try and be empowered again. If you if you get support, but you you don't really get that engagement piece and nobody really engages you in the work, well, you're just going to stay there needing support and you're not going to take it to the next level. And if you're engaged, but you never get empowered, that engagement's going to die die down because as as people right we like to step forward we like to be engaged in something and always be interested and if that interest dies down well then we move off and we just we stagnate all right so let's 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 talk about some nitty gritties cuz if you were a coach and you were just giving me your coaching philosophy and i can understand like this is the mindset chris has when he steps onto the field or the or the uh, the the uh, or the court, whenever you're getting ready to, to coach your teams in the school setting where you're supporting, engaging, empowering, this translates in, into practical strategies. And your book shares these as well. So I don't care which part of that uh, will you choose, supporting, engaging, or empowering. Chris, can you give a practical example of how that might look in your work? Sure. Um, Support-wise, you know, that has to do with feedback. Uh, one of the best ways to support people or one of the only ways that you can get into some of the other nitty gritty pieces of supporting people, whether it's uh, through a specific instructional strategy or, or whether it's time to do something, is a frequent informal feedback loop. One of the things I do is I use Voxer. You know, and when we talk about feedback with teachers, sometimes that gets tied up with the idea of evaluation. And that's a scary term because evaluations tell us we either did it or we didn't. We're either good or we're not. Um, 
no matter how much help you put in there. So my frequent informal feedbacks is I'm in classrooms all the day, all, all the time, every day. Now, if you also hear people say, yeah, I visit all the classrooms every day and I do this, but that's not going to do much unless you get feedback. My personal favorite is Voxer. Voxer is a walkie-talkie app that goes on your phone. I walk into a class for five to seven minutes, and then I leave. I open up my phone. I open up Voxer. I talk into my phone, instant feedback. I hit. I type in the email address. I personalize the message because it automatically populates the email. I hit send. Teachers don't have to sign up for this or anything. It comes right through their email. They get a voice feedback from me. Um, which adds personalization, which then also tells them the tone of my voice and what I'm talking about. So no more interpreting what that text meant, what that email meant. And I usually say something I like. I I start off with something I like, and I, I don't play the sandwich game or anything like that, but I start off with something I like, and I ask a question on how they could maybe look at something a little different or do something like that. It's not evaluative. I've explained to the union and everything that I'm not evaluating teachers through that. Obviously, if I see something egregious, I have to say something, but um, it's really gets them in the idea that I'm just, I'm just looking for that. I also, another way to support teachers, if I'm trying to teach them something or show them something, I use multiple points of entry. You know, quite often we're super busy. Um, And so what I do is I use things like Screencastify or Loom to make quick videos to walk them through something or show them if if I want to show them a tool or something like that. And that way, it's nice and easy. They can watch it at 530 in the evening if they want. If that's when they have time, they can watch it on a Saturday morning. Um, I'm not silly enough to think that, you know, instead of spending family time um, or exercising or whatever, they'd want to watch or listen to me. But you kind of get the idea. Wow. Those are, those are amazing. Chris, let me repeat back just so hmm. listeners pick that up. If you've not used Voxer before V O X E R, check that out. And you just taught me something because I've, I've used Voxer for voice to voice back and forth with friends and, and colleagues. I did not know until you said that, that I could attach that through an email. So thank you so much, Chris. That's an amazing hack. And then Screencastify and Loom, those, uh, again, I'm going to be, these are these are things I'll place in the show notes for principal managers, listeners. Keep going, friend. What else would you add to that? Yeah, well, there's actually an activity, and I, I cover this activity in my book. Um, the idea, uh, because as you're doing this, you want to stay positive and things like that. But now, Take it, take it this way and try this activity. Take your staff and break your staff into a list of high skill slash performance, medium skill slash performance, and low skill slash performance. I combine skill and performance. Um, it's quite possible that you can have a high skill level teacher with low performance. And that's, that's an engagement type issue. Um, so what, what you want to do is you take one person from each list because you can't do everything at once. You get overwhelmed. And write down one of their strengths as an educator. And then what you want to do is reflect on how they can improve in that strength area. So what you do is you know that person's strength from going to their classroom and everything. You meet with that person. And then you mention, oh, well, you're really good at this. You know, how did you get that good? Um, What's your go-to? Have you ever thought about tweaking it this way? And they start talking about their strength because we feel good about talking about our strengths. And then once you establish that rapport with them, you then say, 
but I noticed, you know, this could have been a little better. And then you start to talk about the weakness a little bit and say, so, so talk to me a little bit about that. Is that something you're uncomfortable with? And they open up because you're recognizing their strengths, but you're also showing you're willing to let them talk to you about their weaknesses um, in a non-confrontational, non-threatening manner. Mm, that's so powerful. And principal managers, listeners, this is it, just that outline right there uh, in, in terms of, of can, can really change and transform the way you do follow-ups to, to teacher observations. And even in sometimes the evaluation settings, because if you allow first for teachers to be able to identify where they're hitting the mark, and then you ask them for that feedback of where, where, where do you still see need for growth? A lot of times they're going to hit that target without you even having to tell them that the target's there. Not all the, not all the time. Sometimes people have blind spots, but a lot of times they already know where the struggle is. And so giving the, giving them permission to identify that for you, then that's a whole lot easier than you identifying it for them um, in, in retrospect. So Chris, what else, what other um, practical tips might you give on empowering, supporting, or engaging? So the other one is, um, is as far as engaging the idea of how I had mentioned connecting what uh, teachers' personal visions and what they personally believe with, you know, how you do business at school to the actual vision of the school. Um, the way there's different ways you can do that as far as through surveys, um, through why exercises. I mean, we did a we did a why exercise with the staff where we we broke it into groups and and people told people shared their whys. And then what we did is once we did that and came to the whys, we split up and regrouped and looked for commonalities in our whys and picked mm-hmm. out certain different phrases, certain attitudes, um, certain perspectives. And then what we did is we we shared that as a group and then we broke into groups again and the groups with their shared whys and the themes that came out, they created stories um, based on those themes and to watch people's reaction when they were listening to a story, because we all learn from stories. We don't learn from 42% of this and, and things like that, but people told stories about why they got into education and some were because of their parents and what they saw their parents do. Some were experiences they had with kids. Some were experiences from their schooling. Um, but the more you can get teachers to tell their stories about why they're doing what they're doing and then celebrate that story or connect it to the larger vision, that engages them in the work that they do because then they have a purpose for getting out of bed and coming to school. Mm-hmm. Chris Jones, you you are just giving so much value in this conversation. And I just want to say thank you for everything you've just already shared. But I also want to point Principal Matters listeners to your resources. When will your book be available and, and how can Principal Matters listeners stay connected with you? And then before we wrap up, I do want to ask you one other wrap up question. Sure. Um, it's probably easiest to get in touch with me is through Twitter and that's at Dr. C.S. Jones. D-R-C-S Jones. Um, Something I put out every week, I put out a a scene to lead newsletter weekly. And if they go to my Twitter, then it's pinned as the first tweet. They can just hit that link and it signs them up. Um, That's probably the best way. If you want to email me, people can always email me. I I answer my emails. That's the same. It's uh, Dr. Chris S, or I'm sorry, Dr. Chris S.J., at gmail.com. 
Fantastic. Well, Dr. Jones, you know, as you and I are recording this episode, we've we've talked offline too about the challenges of leading school through COVID and still trying to keep your teachers inspired and still trying to reach students. So I know we have listeners right now that are listening to this and they're being inspired to think about how to engage with their teachers, but they're also overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. it, it, what what parting words of wisdom would you have for fellow leaders out there who are doing the hard work, even in the midst of really challenging times? Words of encouragement. I, you know, it's interesting that you, that you say that I can think of, I can think of some advice for leaders that, um, you know, sometimes we struggle with um, because my words of encouragement are the work we're doing matters. And what matters is that as hard as it is, we continue to show up with our 100% every day, which might only be 70%. But as long as we're giving what we can give, that's enough. Um, we can't burn ourselves out trying to make sure that everybody else doesn't stay burned out or um, that they, they that they exceed beyond what the expectation should or could be during this time. I, um, I always think for advice, it's not what we can do. It's what we can't do. I, I flip it around a little bit. So instead of thinking what I should be doing for my staff. I have to think about what I should not be doing to my staff. I should be looking at what I can stop them from doing. So like staff meetings, forget it. We happen to be, I mean, we're really lucky. We're doing a NEASC review, which is an accreditation review. Um, So we basically canceled everything. I haven't had staff meetings or anything like that because just take the time you need to work on the stuff. We get a lot of, leaders get a lot of push down from central office, things like that initiatives, the state and everything. It is the principal's job to play gatekeeper, um, protect your teachers. They are in an extremely vulnerable spot right now. They're burnt out. They're, they're shorter than they would normally be just because they're frustrated. I had a conversation with a teacher the other day um, said, she's doing the best she possibly can, but that's not good enough for her. She feels guilty. So instead of assuming that teachers are just not doing the best they can, leaders have to assume that teachers are doing the best they can and may have some bad feelings because they're, they feel guilty. They feel like they're letting students down because that's what they come here for. I, I almost think, you know, the whole idea, I almost think of taking away the things that don't need to be there. And that will allow new things to occur and teachers to take more risks if they don't have as many things pressed on them. It's almost like an overgrown forest, right? It needs a forest fire to come through and get rid of all the dead stuff that's no good that's in the way so new growth can occur and you can have a a much more beautiful forest. Wow, Chris, there's so much wisdom in that. And I, I just want to thank you for those words. And Principal Matters listeners, as you're listening to Chris I'll say something I probably have said before on this podcast, but sometimes it's okay to not be okay. You know, sometimes it's okay to admit that right now is a struggle and I'm going to show up and do the best that I can in the situation that's in front of me. I'm going to control what I can and, 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 and recognize what I can't. Um, But there's so much wisdom and also recognizing what can I take off the plates of people that I'm serving so that they have the space to get the job done. That's right in front of them. And sometimes when, things get back to a position where you can re-engage or you can visit more deeply, or you can go farther into professional development with your teachers. Um, 
then you take advantage of those opportunities when they're in front of you. But it's just like, I love that analogy when you're in the forest, um, depending on what time of the year it is and what the season is and what kind of storm you're caught in. Um, the other day I was on a call with some principals and I just reminded them, I, I like to mountain climb. And when you're at that peak that, you know, you're encouraging and you're cajoling one another if you're with a partner, um, but you're not like, that's not when you stop and debrief about the whole climb is, is on that peak. You, you wait until you've peaked or you yeah. wait until you find a place where there's a break in the wind and then you can stop and do, but you don't debrief in the middle of the, of the, of that worst part of the climb. And so sometimes I just want to tell folks right now, man, you're, you're peaking, you're pushing, you're doing whatever you're doing. And so be cognizant that your people need you to encourage them, climb with them. And when you get that break in the wind later, you'll have an opportunity to dig deeper in some development. There's, well, Chris, go ahead, Chris. You can uh, add some other thoughts. No, I'm sorry. I I just wanted to add. You know, there are, and there are some things you can do because, like you said, it's all right to admit that you're not all right. Something I did at the end of last year, um, I had students put together a video for the teachers talking about the impact that the teachers had on them, because the teachers get so lost in the idea that they're not performing well enough for the students that are letting the students down. When in actuality, they aren't because we put these expectations on ourselves, and so I put that video together and then I created a challenge coin. And now I don't know if you know what a challenge coin is or, or your listeners know what a challenge coin is. The military uses them, businesses use them, and they're these big coins that commemorate an event. And so I gave that to the teachers and I said, I want to commemorate this year going through COVID. Um, because every time I, and this was not a fun year, but every time I you look at this coin and on it, I put our school logo and things like that. And around the edge, I put words that, that guided us the whole way, community, communication, in-person learning, stuff like that. And I said, I want you to hold on to this coin and look at it every time you're struggling to realize that you are enough and you're good enough. And remember that video and remember that you can be strong enough to get through this. And it's all right to step back and say, whoa, this is tough. I need to recalibrate before I take another step forward. And, you know, just anything leaders can do like that for teachers at a time like this is super important. Wow. Well, Chris Jones, thank you so much for all of that feedback. Principal Matters listeners, empower, support, engage. You need to check out Chris Jones on Twitter, and I will include in the show notes links to places you can find him. Chris, thank you so much for the opportunity to learn and grow together with you, and I can't wait to stay connected. And Principal Matters listeners, thanks for the work that you do, because what you do matters, and we'll talk to you soon. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at drcsjones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? 
you need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.